Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Uh, welcome back. Welcome for the first time. Happy birthday. Uh, I, I asked Peggy, she, she's here, she's 92. I said, what, what is one thing that you... What's one word of wisdom in your 92 years that you could, you, you could give your younger self? And she said, I would tell my younger self to do what I'm supposed to do and not what I wanted to do. So there you go. That's, that preaches, man. That's, that's scripture too. <laughs> uh, but hey, we're, we're truly glad to be with you today. Um, the scriptures, there's going to be, today's a little bit different. And so what I would suggest is if you have paper and pencil, or uh, stone and chisel, um, or your phone or your iPad, pull them out. Uh, because today is going to be a little bit more of Bible basics um, in terms of uh, this changes everything. Last week, we, we really celebrated Easter. And Easter is, is one of those days that is just so full of color and brilliance and brightness because darkness and hopelessness has been completely transformed into brilliance and light and hope and death is now life and then you come in on this next Sunday and here we are right but it's still darkness is now light death is now life and there's hope and there's aspects of the resurrection that I think we miss um we often think the resurrection is done when Jesus has come out of the grave. And actually, the resurrection is like a coin in your pocket. The resurrection of Jesus Christ actually has two sides. One, the first side is the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. He physically rose from the dead. Mary Magdalene, cling to him the disciples thought he was a ghost yet he was flesh and bone when Thomas the heroic pessimist not the doubter I don't think he was a doubter I think he was a heroic heroic pessimist that's another conversation for another day but he when Jesus showed up that morning or that evening he allowed Thomas to feel the holes in his flesh and literally Jesus in bodily resurrected form, sat there and ate with his disciples. He physically rose from the dead, but it didn't end there. The resurrection has two parts. The bodily resurrection, but also his ascension. The completed work of the resurrection. The glorification of Jesus Christ. See, there's actually six bodily resurrections in scripture three in the old testament 
and three in the New Testament, and then Jesus' bodily resurrection. That would be seven. Nice, wonderful, complete number, right? That's God's number. The three in the Old Testament and the three in the New Testament, aside from Jesus, guess what happened to all three of them? They rose from the dead, and at some point later, they died. That's not what happened to Jesus. Jesus didn't just physically rise from the dead and then one day later die again. That would be heresy. That would be false belief. That would not be true doctrine and true scripture. That would have no hope for you and me on this side of heaven or on the other side of heaven. No, Jesus Christ himself rose from the dead in bodily form, and then 40 days later ascended. And he did what I like to call astronaut Jesus, and he went behind the clouds. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, taking on that seat of lordship, kingship, everything that he preached and taught and lived out, came to be in the ascension. And this is a day that we often just glance over in our theology, glance over in our Christianity. But it is pivotal to our belief in Jesus Christ. It is essential. And it changes everything. Because if you remove the ascension of Jesus Christ, then you do not have Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes and enters in humanity, your flesh. And if Jesus does not ascend to heaven, to the right hand of the Father, guess what? Jesus ain't coming back. The ascension of Jesus Christ changes everything. It's pivotal. It's a linchpin. It holds it together. And actually we find this, that the disciples and the apostles in the early church, they link the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ together with his ascension. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. Because I like my peanut butter and jelly with peanut butter and jelly. I don't like my peanut butter and jelly without my peanut butter or without my jelly. They go together. Cookies and cream, it's not good without the cookies. I mean, it's just vanilla. Come on, right? Cookies and cream, fish and chips, burgers and fries, they go together like peas and carrots. We'll go with that Forrest Gump again. They go together, folks. And we often focus on the cross and the resurrection, and they should get their due. But you and I can't sit here and worship the Lord Jesus Christ without the ascension. It is a discussion that is pivotal for you and me in our faith. And so we are in Bible Basics 101. What is the ascension? What does it mean? What does it look like? What happened? And so, if you would, definitely direct your attention to this. Those are not the correct scriptures. There we go. Even before Jesus left, even before his arrest, it was on the night of his arrest 
and going into the garden, he shared with his disciples, and he said, in my Father's house. Now, that's not here on earth. That's in heaven. That's somewhere otherworldly. He said, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. If there weren't, so I wouldn't have told you. Then he says, I'm going there. He's referring not to his death. He's specifically referring to his ascension, that he's going away, and it ain't here. Before the Sanhedrin, those individuals, those powerful and religious elite that turned the screws to bring him to execution, he stood before them, and the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath. Under oath, meaning you you have to tell the truth. Jesus is the truth, so what he says is true, right? But he says, oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus says, yes, it is as you say. And Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man referring to himself. It's an Old Testament term. Referring to himself. Sitting where? At the right hand of the Mighty One. That would be Yahweh, God the Father, the Lord God Almighty. And, wait for it, coming on the clouds. At his resurrection, that moment where the women actually saw Jesus physically, bodily resurrected. He said, don't hold on to me. And this is to Mary Magdalene. Don't hold on to me. I have not yet returned to the Father. And in the ESV it says, I have not yet ascended, gone up, left this world. I have not yet ascended and returned the father go instead to my brothers those apostles those disciples that i built into for three years go to them and tell them i am returning to my father now this is resurrection sunday folks he's not going to be returning to the father until 40 days later three and forty three and forty three days dead and buried rose from the dead 40 days later he ascended to the father three and forty Say it with me. Three and forty. Forty days later from this moment, he will be ascending to the Father. He's given him advance warning. He's planning ahead, right? Like we are procrastinators. Jesus is a planner. I'm a procrastinator, man. I'll, be, I'll admit it. He says, I'm returning to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. And then on Pentecost, remember, if you don't have ascension, if you don't have Jesus going to the right hand of the Father, you don't have Pentecost. And on Pentecost, 10 days after the ascension, 3.40.10. Say it with me, 3.40.10. Three days dead and buried. 40 days later, he rose to to the Father. 10 days after that, we have Pentecost. Penta means 50. So 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ comes the Holy Spirit. And on 50 days, Peter stood before the crowd and he declares this among many things. 
He said, God raised this Jesus to life. That's Resurrection Sunday. Man, that's a celebration. But then he says, we're all witnesses of that, meaning we saw him. We saw him. We saw his flesh. Then he says, exalted, lifted up. He had gravity boots, and he went up, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out on, poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend, because Jesus is in the line of David, King David in the Old Testament. David did not ascend. In fact, David died and was buried. And you could probably find his grave if we knew where that was. And he said, But David said this in his Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. God said to Christ, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Folks, even David knew that there was going to be an ascension. And he proclaimed it several thousand years before, or several hundred years before it happened. And Peter declared, God raised him from the dead, but ascended him to the right hand of the Father. Just a little bit later, Peter and several others were, were arrested by the same Sanhedrin that Jesus was questioned in front of that we read from just a few minutes ago. Acts chapter 5. Peter and the apostles declared this. We must obey God rather than men. Remember, we're supposed to be God pleasers rather than people pleasers. You get into a lot of hairy situations if you're people pleasers. Then he says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead. Resurrection Sunday. Three days later. Woohoo! Whom you killed by hanging on a tree. There's a little guilt trip, right? Just want to make sure you know that. You killed him by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and as savior. In the ESV, he says, as leader and savior. This is the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is king of kings. We sing a lot about king of kings in Christmas, but we forget about it after Easter. He's still king, and he will always will be king. He was the first and the last and will be always. He's at the right hand of the Father, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins. Oh, he links the ascension and the fact that Jesus has now taken the power position over all the universe to yours and my forgiveness of sins. That's really, 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 really. Let me add one more. Really important he links those two together we are witnesses of these things meaning we watched him with our own eyes go behind the clouds we watched him leave he never showed back up he's now at the right hand of the father several chapters later when Stephen was being stoned to death, 
a sermon I heard when I was in third grade, so I changed my name to Alex because I thought I would be stoned to death. When Stephen himself was being stoned to death and he was crying out to the Lord, he literally saw the heavens open up. And what did he see? He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, witnessing this going on. Because he's at the right hand of the Father. So, folks, even Paul, the apostle, who saw the bright shining light on the road to Damascus. Why? Because Jesus was in his glorified state. Because he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. Paul links it up. Christ who died. Christ who died, crucified. More than that, he was raised to life, linked. Crucifixion, resurrection, and then he says, is at the right hand of God. Are we understanding the importance of the ascension to the early church and to your faith? It is foundational. It changes everything. And if you remove it, it changes everything because you don't have anything to stand firm on. The ascension is pivotal to your faith. It is necessary. And it is something that we must wrap our hearts around just ever so slightly. Because the ascension, it's the completed work of Christ's work on this side of heaven. The completed work. When he said it is finished on the cross, it was finished. But then there was a little bit more because he rose from the dead. And then there was a little bit more because he ascended to the Father. And those 40 days were pivotal for those those apostles. And the ascension leads us to two things. It leads us to Pentecost, and it leads us to a second coming. We'll notice, he says this in John 16. This is a moment around the table with his 12 disciples. That Monday, Thursday evening that he gets arrested. And he says, but I tell you the truth. It is good for your good that I'm going away. And in other words, it's good that I go. It's good that I go. Unless I go away, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the one that's actually going to live and reside in your human heart, in your flesh, he's not going to be able to come. So I'm going to go. It's good for you that I go. I'm breaking that. If I were to disciple at that moment, I'd say, no, 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 no. You can't go. You've got to stay. We need you. Like, you're the leader. You're our, our rabbi. You're our teacher. You've taught us so much, and we've seen so much. Don't go. You've got to stay. Jesus understood the truth and basics for us as believers. It's much greater to have the teacher on the inside of you than outside of you. It's much greater to have the love of God inside of you than outside of you. Because then, 
I don't have to physically be with just one of you. I can be with all of you at the same time. You can hear me and sense me anywhere you go. And there goes the kingdom of God. It is good that I go from you because I will send you a spirit to live in you, the teacher, the Lord inside of you, the love, the one that is the generator of kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and grace and mercy and goodness. He's now going to be in you. But then we got to look ahead again. It's the moment that they're on the hillside. Three, forty. It's that 40th day. Jesus has spent a lot of time with the disciples. Given them insights, opened their eyes. And here's that last moment. And as the Jesus has already ascended to the right hand of the Father, he's behind the clouds. There's this moment that kind of reminds me of the birth announcement. And it reminds me of the moment when the women were looking in the tomb and they saw the two angels, one at the head and one at the feet. And here we have two men dressed in white. If you're, if you're new to the scripture, that's pretty much angel talk. Announcement, these are angels. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And when suddenly two men dressed in white, there you go, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Well, because it's pretty cool. We're watching this. It's pretty awesome. I want to see if I can see them. You ever watch a kite just go away or a balloon go away? You want to see how far that thing goes, man. They said this, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, ascension, will we'll come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Second coming. Ascension's pivotal to our faith, folks. Crucifixion, resurrection, oh yeah! It's like the Kool-Aid man breaking through a wall. Oh yeah! But don't forget, the ascension's necessary because it links everything else up. It links the Pentecost and it links Christ's coming and man, that's a powerful thing. So what do we do with this? This is a whole lot of like biblical Bible nerd stuff and theology. What do we do with it? What does it mean for our, our life where faith and life meet on the road as we're walking through? There's some ascension truths that we can take from here. And there's a list of them. You will see them again. One it's important that we understand that Christ intercedes for us, and by that we hold firm to our faith. We just read Romans 8.34. It said, Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of the Father. And what is he doing? Paul says he's interceding for us. He's talking to God on your behalf. In your dark days, because folks, 
just because you have Jesus in your life and in your heart doesn't mean that life doesn't kind of stink sometimes. Doesn't mean you're not going to walk through a whole lot of crap. There are life situations that are just difficult. And there are some that bring you on the brink of your faith. You must know that because Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, in your dark days, in your hopeless moments, when you jacked up and you said what you shouldn't have said or you did what you, you shouldn't have done, you didn't listen to Peggy and her wisdom. Do what you're supposed to do. Jesus Christ is interceding on your behalf. Meaning he's going and petitioning the Lord. He's moving on your behalf. And Paul and the, the author of Hebrews links it up. He says, we have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, just so you make sure that's clear. That lets us hold firmly. To our faith. It's because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father that we can hold on to our faith. Christ is interceding for you, and by that ascension, by the fact that He is on the throne, we can hold firmly to our faith when things just don't make sense. Ascension truth number two. We possess hope and access have access to power. Paul prays this prayer. He writes this prayer to the Ephesian church. You are a church collectively. And he wrote this, and he says, this is what I'm praying for you. He says, I pray also that, that the eyes of your heart, if you ever want to know what to pray, just go into the New Testament and find what Paul prays and pray it. I pray that your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. All of us have been called to hope. We have a reason for hope. It's in the resurrection and the ascension of Christ that He's coming back and the Holy Spirit's in our life. And then He says, the riches of His glorious inheritance and His holy people and His incomparably great power for us to believe. And then He links them up. Notice how He links it. He says that the power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at his right hand. That same power that rose Christ from the dead and ascended Christ to the Father is in you. I don't know about you, that excites me. Amen. I'll say it for you. Folks, Christ intercedes on our behalf and we can hold firmly to our faith because he's at the right hand of the Father. And we possess hope and have access to the same power that rose him from the dead and took him to the right hand of the Father. There's a shifting mindset that happens because of the ascension of Jesus Christ. And it's very clear. Since then, Paul says in Colossians 3, 3, 1 through 3, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and that's where he wants our thought process to go. 
seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If there's anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things because in that your mind gets transformed. You no longer are attached by gravity. You can live by faith in this life. It's an ascension truth that we can hold on to. We've got to shift our mindset from an earthly to an eternal mindset. And finally, how we live our earthly lives matters eternally. How you live your earthly life, it matters more on the end game when all is said and done and you have taken your last breath. Paul says this about Jesus himself, that he humbled himself even to the point of death. We know that, that crucifixion. But then God exalted him to the highest place that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess how you live your life matters eternally it matters eternally because you will come face to face with the one that has been exalted he humbled himself and he exalted he was exalted God raises up the humble folks so we got to raise the bar we got to raise the bar in our life you have ascension truths these truths that we learn from the ascension. But then there are things that Jesus left the disciples with at the ascension. It was kind of those last-minute lessons when he was at the table. These are last-minute lessons before I leave you and I go away. First, go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. Go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Folks, your life is supposed to be fruitful. Jesus said it himself. You're to get in and roll up your sleeves in the lives of other people, whether they're believers or not. We think discipleship is all about after somebody comes to Christ. Discipleship happens before they come to Christ. Go and make disciples. How you live your life will do that, but you need to just speak that into people's life and walk with them. This is not the maximum. This is the minimum requirement of believers in Jesus Christ. He said these things right before he left. They're really, really important. And then he said, hey, I'm going to go, but I want you to wait. Now, the Holy Spirit has already come, okay? We, we don't have to wait to go make disciples. But for those disciples, those apostles, those men and women and his mother and his brothers, he said, wait. You need to wait. You need to go back to Jerusalem, and you need to wait. In Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, we see how they waited. They waited by seeking the Lord. Waiting doesn't, is not a passive action in the kingdom of God. You don't just sit on your rear and let things happen. No, you get on your knees and you pray for things to happen. You 
you ask the Lord. Why? Because he's interceding on our behalf. Hello? Links up with our prayer. So, he said, wait. And how they waited, they actively sought the Lord. Next week, when we talk about Pentecost, we are going to see the result of their waiting and their praying. When they were seeking God, the power of God moved on their life. And last, he says, hey, you will be my witnesses in all of Judea, Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Essentially, wherever you go, guess what? You're my witnesses. You've seen it. You watched me. You've, you've felt the holes in my flesh. We sat, we ate, you clung to me. We talked, we learned. And guess what? You're going to watch me go. You're my witnesses. And guess what? We're his witnesses. He says, you will be. It, it, th- this is not an option. Jesus doesn't give us an option. It's not, oh, I'll kind of be a witness every now and then when, the, when I feel it. You know, I just, I just kind of like to go with it. Nah, nah, man. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You will be. The requirement is to make disciples. And in, for, in order for you to make disciples, you've got to be witnesses. Those two things come together. Again, peanut butter and jelly, man. They come together. You will be my witnesses. If God's done something in your life, if he has saved you, if he's redeemed you, like we heard from Jay last week, Jay was on the brink of, of life, and he was going to end his life. If God has saved you, you need, you need to share it. If you have hope in your life for the first time in your entire life, you actually get it. Maybe not all of it, but you get it. Man, we got to share it. We got to raise the bar. So the challenge is set before you, Wapak Naz, church. It's not the people who have the paid positions. It's all of us. We're all in this together. That whole cliche that we've heard for the last year, it really is true. The church is in this together. All of us making disciples. We are all salt, light, and yeast. We're all called to be sent. We're all called to be witnesses. We're all called to share the hope. Man, you don't need to know all the scriptures. You just need to share the story that God has done in your life. Begin to share it. Begin to pray and ask God, give me an opportunity. I want to share this hope. So, would you please stand? Just bow your heads just for a sec. Jesus, I thank you, man. Man, you're so good. (laughs) You're awesome. I love you. And I thank you that you're at the right hand of the Father. And you truly are advocating on our behalf. Because you love us so much. You love us so much that you died. And you love us so much that you rose. But the work still continues. Your love for humanity still exists and it's still moving and it's still working Father if any one of us is on the brink of our faith God may we cling to the, to the fact that you are in your rightful place 
And if any of us don't have you in your rightful place in our life, our personal life, I, tell you, I, I ask that today we make that choice and that decision. That we cross the line of faith and we give you your life or give you our life. And so if you're, you're standing here today or you're listening online and you know that Jesus is Lord and Savior, you have come to believe in that for the first time, I just want to ask that you pray a very simple prayer. It's, it's not the whole shebang, but it's a very simple prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Simple prayer, but a profound prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. If you feel like you've been misaligned with him and you need forgiveness of sins, Jesus, I give you my life. As you gave yours, I give you mine. If that's you here today and you prayed that for the first time, I'd ask that you just be bold and courageous. You already did the most courageous thing already by walking into this place. Let's take one more step. Would you please just raise your hand? All hearts bowed. and Just please raise your hand. Lord, I give you my life. If you know the Lord and you just feel a little misaligned anyways, that you feel like, man, I have him as my savior. I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm saved. I know that I'm born again and that he's in my life, but you know what? I've played the game and I haven't given him my all. I have not made him Lord in my life. I've not offered that up to him. If that's you, <laughs> I'd ask you to just pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I give you all of my life. I give you all of me. I surrender it to you. Make me whole and clean. And you are my Lord of my life. Jesus, you are Lord. Surrender myself in you, O Lord. If, that, if that's you, I'd ask that you just raise your hand that you have made Jesus Lord of your life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Jesus, thank you. Lord, I, I pray for those that have made you Lord of their life. Rush in like that moment on Pentecost with your Holy Spirit and do a cleansing work, a sanctifying, purifying work in their life. And may they choose to begin to filter everything through your Lordship, their jobs, their, their finances, their families, their relationships, their time, their gifts and their skills and their talents. May they filter it all through your Lordship and surrender it over to you. Lord, I praise you and I thank you. We give you glory, Father. It's in your name that we pray today. Amen. Man, we love you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of this body. Your presence matters. Your participation matters. And we're so grateful.
May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please, please, please love your neighbor as yourself. We'll see you tonight at 5. Have a- Thank you for listening to the Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. And that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.